All right, what's up, everybody? Hold my bread. I'm Matt Backus here with your co-host, my co-host, Joel Wachowski. How are you doing, Joel? Hey, if you're listening to the show, I will be your co-host. Bring me over to that dinner party. Let me host the family Thanksgiving with you. We'll talk a lot of Lions football. I am Joel Wachowski. Welcome to the Gluten Gang. Let us carbo load. Welcome to Hold My Bread, the $1,223.31 podcast. How are we doing, Maddie? Oh, I am just pissed, Joel. I am pissed. He's pissed. He's mad. He's I'm coming upset. in hot. So you don't like it. Matt, he was talking to me off air. We're recording out of sequence this week. We had an interview with Andrew Collin coming up. It's great. And in the low, Matt just comes back on the Zoom. He says, I'm pissed off. I'm fucking furious. So what, what, what makes you so, so mad? We talk about them on the podcast. Well, we've talked about them on the podcast before, but the gym I would go to before COVID was the World Gym in Ridgewood, Queens. Good gym, thought they were good people. Um, but I have been charged the last two months for the gym that I'm not legally allowed to go to because of the restrictions on the gyms being closed. And they're charging me twice uh, for months where I couldn't go in even if I wanted to. So then I call the agency that they use, like the collection agency, whatever that the, the gym uses, and even the lady on the phone is like, it says right here that um, they did charge you twice and that the only way to cancel is to go in and file, fill out paperwork at the gym in person. So not only are they fucking me, but it says that I will be continued to be charged and I can't cancel until I go in. I can't go in because they're closed. I'm fucking pissed. This is this should be illegal. You can't charge me for a service that you can't provide. Yeah. However, you say you talked to the collections lady. Who was the collections lady? I, it's like ABC, like gym. They do a bunch of collections for like Planet Fitness and stuff like that. Um, but she said on their website, she was like, it, she was like looking at their website. She was like, I really apologize. I'm sorry, I can't help you. She was like, obviously, you dispute this. Uh, uh, we will back you up. I'm making a note that you called, blah, blah, blah. So the and, lady on the phone was very nice, very helpful. And I, I, th- I think... World Gym of Ridgewood. No, no, right no, 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 no. World Gym of Ridgewood, formerly American Physique, is a family-owned business that made good. And as part of their corporate transi- transition to become part of the world gym family, they outsourced their billing operations to ABC gym, which is based in Florida. Since the local branch isn't open for business, they really don't have any way to stop the billing cycles. And I have full confidence in that institution that they will make it right by you. I, I mean, that. what, if if they can't, but I don't understand. If I if ABC the the phone the p- person I just called ABC whatever if they can't help me, well then who's fault? I mean who's going to do it? The manager at World Gym. I'm, I I think they'll I think they'll be be decent about it when they're back up and running again. And I know you're getting that fatty unemployment. So what what's fifty dollars to support a business you love during these tough times? I fucking hope they cl- I hope they go to business. I hope they close. Fuck them. Because they their first step during a pandemic wasn't to correct the billing cycle. I admit it's an oversight, but I've gotten refunds from them in the past, and they've always really worked hard to make good. Tag them in this podcast. Let them know how you feel. What is their? their they have one job. Their job is to run that gym and their, run their the job gym. is to clean that gym, run that sauna, get new members. But it's closed. run the juice bar. I couldn't go there if I wanted to. So what are they doing? Yeah, they're closed, which means they haven't been doing operations. So they haven't been able to change anything. Oh, but they're still getting their money. They're still taking their money. Of course, it shuts down, but they're still going to get their money. I didn't know that was an option. See, that's what I want. I want to be a corporation so that I can get whatever. I'm a corporation, so I get my money. And I'm not not giving you the service that you're paying for, but I'm still going to take the money. And you will be charged. And you can't uh, can't come and shut it down because I'm not going to let you come and shut it down because I'm, I'm furious. It's not acceptable. It's not okay. Frankly, it should be illegal if it's not illegal. And I will take legal action. I will sue World Gym of Ridgewood. It's going to be, I'm going to buy the building. I'm going to tear it down. And the people that work out there can lift rocks and hit each other with sticks to train. That's what's going to happen. 
Oh, boy. And like he says all this. Meanwhile, the U.S. stock market, the very podcast, very subject this podcast celebrates is falsely inflated. We've made $50 on the portfolio in the past two days. And you know what? You did about as much as World Gym to collect that money. So I don't see you. I don't see you noting the hypocrisy there. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not offering a service that people are getting. That's what's fuck to take money from people for a service that you can't provide. I wouldn't be allowed to do that. If I was to take money from you for like, Hey, I'm going to come cut your grass. And then I don't come cut your grass and you still pay me. You're not going to be like, well, that's just the way it goes. I fucked you. I'm getting fucked right now. Oh boy. Well, let's get into it. I, I think this righteous indignation from Mr. Backus is a perfect segue into our first segment. Midwest culture is at its peak. Matt being mad about gym memberships, it's kind of the sort of indignation that I see from the Kohl's CEO. So Kohl's, clothing stores as a whole have been hit very hard. Terrible earnings from Kohl's. Now, they've reopened half their stores, and the CEO says that their stores are built for social distancing. Yeah, there's not not a lot of space. I mean, there's tons of open space in Kohl's because the only people that are going there are moms, and uh, they're going to a Kohl's. When was the last time you set foot in a Kohl's? Um, it's, it must have been 15 years at least. And like, even when you hear that the stores are built for social distancing, you can't help but um, hear that in a mom's nasally Midwest voice. You know, our stores are built for social distancing. Yeah, the, the racks, the racks are six feet long. I stay on this end and we'll rotate around. Yeah, Jim Cramer, who is like a really fun person to follow for market things. He's the only mainstream like financial voice that most people know. He said that investors in Kohl's should go to the hospital, which makes sense. Uh, <laughs> a year ago, Kohl's was selling for $47 a share. Six months ago, rather, they were selling for $47 a share. Now they're down to $17 a share. What and a drop. There's Retail st- sales as a whole are down 16%. But clothing stores are down 79%. Kohl's drop, revenues dropped 40%. So they are really taking a bath here. I like that Jim and Jim Cramer saying you should go to the hospital during the COVID pandemic is he really means it. He means you are very ill. Yeah, investing in Kohl's is that bad. Um, We did expect more stability for a nation backed by Kohl's cash, but what are you going to do? Is Matt there? I can't. It's losing value. It's losing value. I can't really hear you just quite yet. Talk for me, baby. We speak. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, you're frozen. And we uh, resumed recording. What were you talking? You cut out for 30 seconds there. Were you backtracked just a little bit? Yeah. Well, what did you said about Kohl's cash? I, I, uh, I really look like a fool for burying all my Kohl's cash in the backyard. It's losing value every day. Yeah, you know, I did invest my Kohl's cash into JCPenney futures, which wasn't the best idea, but... What can you do? I mean, Kohl's Cash really is like, the, they're almost like the Bitcoin of their of the generation, really. I mean, they, they had their own currency. Yeah, and, you know, I just think it's just like Bitcoin. It will be uh, worth $100,000 uh, in uh, our lifetime. What's another, what's another establishment that has their own currency? Uh, that's, uh, um, what's it worth, and how does that translate into Chuck E. Cheese tokens? Yeah, I think it's I think it's Coles and then Chuck E. Cheese. They're the only okay, sovereign good. corporations. Tilly, stop digging. Did you see? Speaking of speaking of Chuck E. Cheese, did you see that uh, you can order uh, Chuck E. Cheese? Obviously, no one's going there, so to make money, they they changed their name on like Grubhub and DoorDash to Pasquale's Pizza. Did you see yeah. that? Pasquale is the musician. Brilliant. He's the band. 
Yeah, no one will ever get delivery from Chuck E. Cheese, but shouts to just to that big mouse CEO on making the pivot. Absolutely. I respect it, you know, try and, uh, try and be sneaky. I, I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah, and like Kohl's, they're trying to save their ass and they're getting rid of eight brands, including Jennifer Lopez's brand, Mud, an icon, an icon of my youth, and then probably most vexing to me, they're ditching Juicy Couture. Wow, that's a big name for them to lose. What am I in this life if I can't pursue a pink, juicy tracksuit? That's all I want. That's all I deserve. Coles, don't take that away from me. Yeah, juicy. Uh, you're just going to have to counterfeit some juicy, uh, right? Juicy on your ass the old fashioned way. Well, I'll just have to show people the tattoo, you know? <laughs> Did you dot the eye with your butthole? Yeah, no, that's what dots the eye, actually. <laughs> Look at me, Joel Okowski, bad internet connection. My dog is running away, still getting a, a, a hot riff. Absolutely, you're a professional. Man, I just can't wait for this year's Black Friday sales. Like, all these retailers are so desperate. Black Friday is always the valley of American culture. So there's just going to be a sadness and desperation because, like... Both consumers and outlets are really going to need the commerce. Well, I also feel like, you know, obviously we don't know the future, but given the circumstances around COVID, I wonder how, if around that time, if people are going to want to go out as much or if you're going to just get the people, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, I'll say it, I'm going to say it. I know a lot of people do Black Friday, but I, if you're doing Black Friday shopping, I am judging you. So, Yeah, if you do Black Friday sh- shopping, like... I do have some moral concerns about that. If you want to justify that to me, sure. But like, it is hard to to get a deal in this society. You need to either go out to Black Friday or shop at Amazon. And neither of those really feel too great. Right. And uh, so the quality of Black Friday shoppers this Black Friday might be Fox News What's the guy's name? The guy from uh, Infowar. I mean, it's going to be like Alex the Jones. craziest people. Alex Jones. It's going to be Alex Jones level. It's going to be crazy people out getting, you know, coughed on for a TV. Beautiful. You love to see it. I might just go in the parking lot with some popcorn this Thanksgiving. I'll need to cheer myself up after the Lions game is canceled. So <laughs> that might be the bo- the best I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's interesting too. I didn't even really consider Black Friday, but uh, that might be the death. We're in the death rattle, I think, for a lot of retail, and that might be the final nail in the coffin because potentially this could be. Uh, I don't know, obviously, how much money Black Friday generates every year, but it's going to be way. It's got to be way lower this year, or at least online shopping has to be more up than it has ever been. I would yeah, assume. absolutely. Amazon stock. It's selling for. $2,300 a share last I checked, probably more since, since we last checked. So online retailers, they're doing great right now. Big box stores, they're going to be something we are go- telling our grandkids about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember being a kid walking through Kohl's. I have a joke in my act about Kohl's, which will no longer probably be uh, relevant by the time this is all over. Yeah, they are done. And um, hey, what can we do? We can still shop at our favorite store, Hobby Lobby. Once in the news for, you know, not allowing their health care to pay for workers' abortions. Now they're making headlines for stealing historical artifacts that were smuggled out of Iraq. Well, I mean, to be fair, uh, and I, you know, Obviously, we are this, this is a Joanne Fabrics podcast. We do not support Hobby Lobby on this podcast. Feel that they pay for it, but they have a bunch of uh, artifacts that were out in like homemade bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were uh, artifacts. They knew it was a ruse because they were covered in macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> No, but what, what happened is... I don't think this is real. No, that's the macaroni for Christ. Yeah, no. Um, 
what happened is it's a little bit more interesting than you would expect because like they're a very conservative company and a lot of their money in the past past few years years. has gone to setting up and funding a Bible museum that was used to acquire and authenticate these artifacts. And then the same museum they fund was kind of, it pivoted and they turned them in for hoarding the artifacts. That's interesting that that they were... I thought I could, you know, they thought they could trust them. They were part of it. And then eventually they, I wonder what changed in their mind. I wonder what, how that happened. Yeah, no, um, I think it was just, they had a lot of artifacts coming in. I think Hobby Lobby was kind of stripping down other countries of their culture. Like Gilgamesh is an important piece of our world history. And maybe one of the earliest recordings of that belongs to the people of Iraq, as opposed to the Hobby Lobby CEO. Right, absolutely. Also, 1.4 million for that seems incredibly low. Yeah, but don't worry. Maybe that is a steal when you say they stole. I think you're right. Don't worry. Things are going to be back to their corrupt usual ways. Jeff Skilling, uh, if you don't know that name, that's because he hasn't been in headlines for 20 years. He was the ousted CEO of Enron. He was released from prison last year. And you know what? He's getting the bang, get the gang back together. I um, would love to see it. I almost said gang bang back together. He um, might be. Okay. So what happened is he's even, he's dealing with his old pal, Lou Pai, who was like the head of Enron's energy services division. And like, if you read or watch smartest guy in the room, Lou Pai is phenomenal because he, he helped Enron go down because he refused to stop putting strip club expenses on his expense reports. What a hero. Absolutely. One of the good ones. No doubt. So look out for that. It's not going to involve cryptocurrency or blockchain technology, but I think Enron's going to come back to the energy field and turn it around for us. I think, yeah, I mean, what's, that's a name people know. It's got name recognition, you know? It might not <laughs> yeah. be, but it's a name people know. You know, and like people's memories aren't long enough. They'll just have a vague familiarity with Enron and they'll go by, back in. You'll be like, have you guys heard about Enron? And they're going to be like, yeah, that's the guy that founded Scientology. Yeah, no. Enron I- Hubbard, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's great that Enron was the initial name sponsor of the Astros stadium. And it turns out they were both huge cheaters. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's great. Uh, I, I never, uh, I wonder. Yeah, that's great. I never noticed that. Yes. So we do have some industrious people doing business over DoorDash. Yeah. This is a second week in a row. We've kind of talked about this. I just thought this was an interesting story because we kind of talked about last week the merger that could happen and and the saturation of the market with these uh, DoorDash and Grubhub and Postmates. Um, and I don't know, it's very interesting to me because, you know, these these companies are bullying out these smaller companies and making them so they have to use them, basically. Um, so there's a guy that owns a, a chain of pizza uh, places and he found out, uh, you know, on this podcast, we love hacks, we love to cheat the system. Um, he found that if he ordered a pizza from himself for $16, uh, DoorDash would pay him, uh, or no, excuse me, they, a pizza that he, he charged $24 was listed as 16 on the website. So he ordered a bunch of $24 uh, pizzas and then they just gave him $8 every time you order pizza. He's just ordering from himself. It's printing money. How, how many times did he pull off this scheme? Well, so the... The article I read, he ordered 10 pizzas at $16 each, uh, and then they paid him $24 each. So obviously, like I said, $8 profit. So I think he was just kind of testing it to see how much he could get away with. So it started out with 10 pizzas. Uh, and then I don't know you could do this, but apparently they just ordered straight up pizza dough, and that netted them a profit of $75. So I don't know how that was possible, but... Uh, I don't know how many times they did it, but uh, I know they did it a lot and they even debated. It was one of those things where they did it so often that they were debating on if this is illegal or if it was morally correct or not. Um, And uh, I think in the end they decided it was fine and they did it for quite a while, uh, making a little bit of money. Because if you look at it, 
Did you see it went viral a couple of um, weeks ago? There was a receipt from a month of transactions, and the company or the restaurant had made like fifteen hundred dollars or something. And of the fifteen hundred dollars, um, DoorDash or Grubhub or whatever company it was took such a large percentage that after the fifteen dollars, the restaurant itself was only able to keep uh, like three hundred dollars or something of that fifteen hundred. That's yeah, barely enough to pay for the food. DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, I think at minimum they take 20%, and they are one of the driving forces pushing small businesses out of our local economies. Like, you know, they, the big corporations, they're going to react to this crisis with a shock doctrine to just absorb as much of the market share as humanly possible. So what can you do there? DoorDash spent lost four hundred and fifty million by gener- but but managed to generate nine hundred million. So four hundred fifty million investment to to return nine hundred million. Not bad number. So who do you think is the better businessman? Is it the guy who scammed DoorDash or Chuck E. Cheese who changed their name? Both these guys maximizing their presence on the apps, just that's like a, you in your single days. Point. I don't know. I mean, I think it just, if it shows anything, it just goes to show that people in the pizza business uh, are not to be trifled with. Um, you know, they're, I'm assuming Italians, pizza, I don't want to be uh, stereotypical, but Italians know how to hustle. Pasquale, uh, the musician. I mean, that's, that's something that you could see in a movie, I think, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, I think next week uh, we are going to do a, a deeper dive I think we're going to talk about all the retail stores that have closed up shop. Maybe it'll be a big episode next week. Maybe it'll be a weekly segment, but everything's closing up shop. Goodbye, Pier 1. Sayonara beanbag chairs. That's right. No more wicker, no more candles, no more beanbag chairs. Um, Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Um, All these stores are closing, so we're definitely going to do an in-memoriam, hopefully, like you said. I think that'll be good. But yeah, Pier 1 filed for bankruptcy, and they couldn't find anyone to like acquire them, and no one would buy them. So uh, they're closing all 540 stores, um, and they can't even open. I was making the joke last night when I found out about it, but they can't even open because of this corona stuff to do the end of, you know, all these stores doing like out-of-business sales. H.H. Gregg, I don't know if you're familiar with H.H. Gregg, they had a big going out of business sale. All these going out of business sales uh, can't even happen because the stores aren't able to open. And you hate to see it, but let's loot Pier 1. It seems like a victimless crime at this point in time. And hey, if Pier 1 is closing, my heart goes out to every older sister in the 1990s. (laughs) I mean, I could carry a lot of beanbag chairs under my arm. I could probably stack some wicker on my head and uh, get it out there. So I'm pretty, I think I'd be okay. I did notice this. The cost of a beanbag chair has gone down prohibitively in the past 15 years. In college, I bought a big beanbag, $350. These days, you can get a premium beanbag for $60 to $160. So there are advantages in this present marketplace. Even without a beanbag in forever, you got to get a beanbag. So I've renovated this house over in Sedona. I got to convince my fiance to get a beanbag chair. Yeah. Well, have you seen? uh, Are you familiar with Love Sacks? Um, Yeah, I got one. Not a sponsor, but there's a a brand called. Those look cool. Uh, The only Love Sack I'm familiar with is dangling between my legs, brother. Hey, hey, all right. So I think that's about, that is probably about um, what we have written. And we do have an interview with Andrew Collin. Andrew made a lot of money in the 2008 real estate crisis. And people in these schemes, they're vilified, but they're playing a game. Capitalism, it's not without its faults. And if you're a worker in the scheme of inequality, and you think about like inequality at the whole of this country, it'd be difficult not to find something morally wrong with your job. I'm a props designer. I pour out clean drinking water and ship rare flowers across oceans and then throw them away too. I'm a real estate agent in New York City. At best, I enforce a fixed and predatory system. At worst, I turn a blind eye to racism. And I try and do good. And like I try and like 
when the opportunity comes, I'll do the right thing. Like I've rented places to criminals, but just by participating in the whole damn thing, we're doing a lot of wrong. And I, I think people who make money in these bubbles, they're painted as vill- villains or evil, but in a lot of instances, they're playing the same game we are. Villains, no. Likeable people with some stories to tell. Let's find out. Let's talk to Andrew Collin. We're talking with Andrew Collin. My father-in-law, or close to it, is about to reboot the modem, so I'm sorry if I come out for a second. So we wanted to have you on because we all know you're a wonderful stand-up and storyteller. We've heard your stories about making money in the real estate bubble in the late 2000s, around 7, 8 in Florida. And our take is those people are vilified it, Billy. They're just good time boys with some stories to tell. Is that the case in your situation? No, I think we should be vilified. We ruined everything. <laughs> um, we're, we were all, we all knew exactly what we were doing. Uh, no, I mean, I was, bro, you got to understand, I was coming off like an overdose in New Orleans. I, I failed. Which is how most good careers start. <laughs> well, you start at the bottom, like Drake says, you know? And, yeah, you, um, <laughs> you and Howlin' Wolf have the same origin story. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm fucking, I moved back to Florida, and I don't how, know what the, what the fuck how old I were you? I was 23 at the time, probably. I moved to L.A. after college to be a PA. I drove cross-country. I wore a suit the first day as a PA. I didn't know what it was. And I, and I was like, I just never looked into anything. I was just, and I had too much, like, I don't know what it was. I had anxiety, I had depression. And so like, I, I never took time into like figuring anything out. I would just do things like kind of this, you know, like stand up and shit. Like I probably shouldn't have done this and now, you know, it's over now. So, um, it's over, know. but you won for a minute. You got to the mountaintop. <laughs> then the CDC decided that the mountain could no longer exist in our society. So you did it. You went out on top, brother. <laughs> so I started on the bottom. I ended on top. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you're a, a drifting kid. You, you're out yeah. of New Orleans. You're in LA. You're working for what? $150 a day max as a PA. Dude. I drove to LA. I worked one weekend and I made, I, I thought I had like a full-time job. It was one weekend job on a Waffle House commercial with Joel McHale. And I was like, well, uh, you know, and then they're like, you got to find the next job. I was like, what? That's not just given to me. You know, everything was given to me my whole life. So then I ended up going back to Florida after I went to New Orleans and I, I did blow I did cocaine with a stripper that my buddy was dating while overlooking Lake Pontchartrain. And uh, <laughs> we weren't trying to fuck. We were just talking about life, you know? And, like, I was, like, really, like, yeah, that's a great point about astrology or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, like I didn't know what this – I was, like, I should have asked her to see her tits, but she was just, like, you know, let's talk about Socrates or something. <laughs> so, anyway, so – so we're on coke, and then I do a gravity bong hit, and then I go, oh, God, there goes Joel. It's all right. He'll be do? back. Don't you nah, worry. I'm still keep listening. going or no? Yeah, yeah, you can keep going. He'll, I'll, he'll join back in. Okay. Yeah, so anyways, so anyway, I, 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 uh, I do blow, and then I, I, I do a gravity bong hit, and then uh, I start to feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. So I went to the ER, and next thing I know, I'm in the ER for three days. Wow. So one night went, well, you went from one night that was just like, we're going to have a good time to three days of your life just gone. And $7,000 bill. I didn't have insurance. So now I have $7,000 in debt and I didn't have a job in LA. So I was just like, okay, and then maybe it's time to go back to Florida. And that's when I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I moved back home. I was so depressed. And, um, you know, my, a lot of my family worked in real estate. And so my mom was like, and real estate just started to boom, you know, in Florida. Right. It was like 2004 or five. And so I was like, I'll get my real estate license and just try to sell houses. How hard was that to do? Um, For me at the time, well, there wasn't much going on. I kind of moved back. My town where I live is very slow. So there was no like, and I was kind of, done partying at that point where I could kind of focus a little bit. Right. But, uh, I failed the test the first time you have to take the class test and then I I passed it the second time. So, so it took me two times and then, um, 
I put my license up and I was trying to sell homes and I didn't know what a house, like what, how to sell a house. Like people would be like, so what's the, you know, monthly taxes and square foot. I, I, I just wouldn't look into anything. So um, I, I was doing horribly at that. And then my, my buddy was like, Hey, we should sell land to these home builders. And I was like, what? He's like, you know, people with money, I could find land. Let's team up. And so my buddy Rusty, I went up to Vero Beach, which, uh, and then we were like, okay, we'll sell land. And that's how, so what you can do is you could sell land where it's like an underlying land use of like, so you could build like, let's say two houses per an acre. Mm-hmm. So you sell it based on per an acre. So you, it's like, so, you know, you know, $60,000 a lot or whatever. So then you break it down. So then we put together this parcel, me and Rusty of 60 acres I mean, Rusty pretty much did it, of five different parcels. And we sold it. We actually had it under contract with these like random guys. And one of the guys got cancer and like was like, so they like let the property go. But I looked at the uh, pro form and I saw that you can, they were going to make millions of dollars. So I was like, my uncle was in real estate in, in Chicago. And I was like, well, this is like a home run. Like I just fucking sell it to him. Right. And so um, he bought it and, uh, you know, next thing I know, I went from having like $500 and eight grand in debt to having like $270,000. Wow, <laughs> man, that just made my hair stand up on the back of my neck. Cause I kind of knew this, I've heard you kind of talk about this before, but to hear it directly from you is wild. Well, so what I don't understand is you guys sold the land but who owned the land? Like you didn't own the land, right? So was, were you selling it on behalf of someone and you took part of the property? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you just, you get a percentage. So it could be any, I mean, that's agreed upon on the seller and the buyer, but you know, typically if you're on like both sides of the deal, I mean, you could get up to like 6% a lot of times, but a lot of times if you're the seller, you could approach them and be like, look, I have the buyer and the seller I'll take a, a percent off and sell for 5%. Okay. Now, now, usually if you're just representing the buyer, you'll get half of, you'll just split it with the seller and the buyer agent. Um, so yeah, so we made like 5% on like, you know, $7.8 million. That was going to be my next question is, so the fact that you made all that money, the person that actually owned the land, they, I mean, they were set. This is the funny thing. The so, so, so the people that owned the land, it used to be like an old orange grove. Mm-hmm. and the grove wasn't even in working order anymore so it was just sitting there so that's why they're and they they probably bought it i don't even know what they fucking bought it for but for fucking pennies dude you know what i mean right and and because of the times they were probably like wait what you want to spend what you fucking idiot <laughs> you know what i mean right like, there was a house on the property that we bought just so we could have a full square and this house, I'm not kidding you. The guy probably bought it for thirty grand. We bought it for six hundred thousand dollars. Oh my god, that's so. Yeah. So wild. we're not really villains, you know. We're we made people's dreams happen, you know. And uh, so we had that under contract. Next thing you know, I'm fucking rich, <laughs> you know. At least in my eyes. I mean, I know it was the most amount of money that I thought I'd ever see. Right. And, and I spent it like it was like, I didn't deserve it. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like I right. was just like, you felt guilty for having it in a way. I was just like, what did I do to get fucking this much money? It's so and interesting then, though, because so many people that would happen to them and they would be like, I deserve this. Finally it happened. This is what I deserve. It's so interesting to hear you say that. Yeah. I don't know. I, um, I mean, probably at the time I wasn't like, I, um, I definitely like had an ego a little bit because I now have money and I could do what I want. Uh Um, But I wasn't like, I worked my fucking, I always had an idea that like I got paid a lot of money for, but here's the thing. When you work in real estate and you're an agent, a lot of people talk shit about that, but you're not guaranteed a dollar, you know? So, you know, you could go a year without doing one deal. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the risk you're taking. Um, But uh, so I made all that money I ended up, um, I bought my own apartment. Like I did a lot of like smart things. I thought I did buy like a, a, a Tundra truck and put like big ass rims on it. 
And then a month later, I traded it in for Mercedes AMG <laughs> for a used one that had like 400 horsepower. And I, I remember my buddy on the car dealership and he was like, he's like, yeah, I could sell this to you, but you're going to need to give me seven grand on top. And so I go, all right. I literally drive my truck to the bank. I go, hey, I need $7,000 in cash. I take out seven grand. I put it in a brown bag and I throw it at them uh, <laughs> when I get back. And it was honestly better than any feeling I've ever had in my life. Like to just be like, give me the keys, bitch. <laughs> I just yeah. threw $7,000. It's all mean, there. You don't have to count it. I, hey. I, I can only say I'm being censored over here. Every time I start recording, they, they find an excuse to reboot the, the modem. I think Big Brother's got to be paying off the Garcia family to take me down. What I yeah. miss. Is, is, Andrew, is Andrew rich and corrupt yet? He's, he's rich. He's not corrupt, but he did just pay for a car with pr- almost straight cash. That that's is there another way to buy a car? What is financing? That's how you wanted it. What was the car? Uh, I I was a so I bought a Tundra for like I think it was probably like a forty five thousand dollar truck, and then <laughs> and then I traded it in for like a fifty two thousand Mercedes AMG that my buddy had on his used car lot, and so I took out seven grand the difference, and I took out seven grand in cash and I just threw it at him and I go give me the keys bitch and I drove off and. Uh, <laughs> It was fucking unbelievable. And then within, this is the funny thing when you buy a car like that, because like for a week it feels good. And then you're just your insecure self after that. You know, like I had tinted windows just to, you know, so people didn't see me crying, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't like, you know, you I'm drive around rappers in a whole new light after that observation. <laughs> Yeah, you drive around the movie theater like three times, you get your kicks, and then you're done, you know? It's like... Yeah, but how old were you when you bought this car? How long were you making money? One year. Yeah, so I mean... It was one big score. Yeah, and like, I gotta admit, like, for you to make that much money in your early 20s, if that happened to me, I would be dead. I I made $20,000 a year, and I almost lived it up to the point where I was dead, so... Congrats on sticking around. Yeah, I mean, look, I think you can die with... I think there's like... If you have $5 to your name or a million, it's kind of like you're going to do the same crazy shit. Just like... The difference is is one guy's going to do meth and the other guy's going to get really good, like, fucking heroin or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, like you're going to have the same mentality of, like, who gives a fuck anymore? But... The money you made, did it come from commissions or... Yeah, it came from... it came from commission. I made 270 grand on the first deal. And, um, and I, I told Matt about it when you were, you know, busy jerking off your dad. Yep. To get the <laughs> that. That, that's our code word. <laughs> <laughs> that's your code word for blowing them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the modem's about to go down. If you know what I mean. If I say yeah. modem, I'm going to get them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so then I have all this money. I bought an apartment for two hundred and ten thousand, not cash. I it would have been so funny if I threw that cash. At yeah. but, Give me the keys. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't get the cash up the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> two duffel bags. Um, I need help. Yeah, yeah. I didn't buy a duffel bag. I just have. Yeah, I'm like, hey, I'm like. <laughs> anyway, so fucking, I, I I buy that. So I think that's smart, you know. And then I bought that car. Those are my two big purchases, but one was actually responsible. If, if you know, if you thought the market was only going to get better, like I never looked into it. You know, I didn't know when the market sucked. I, I wasn't around during the Great Depression. You know, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about COVID yet. You know, yeah. And it, um, what What do you think that did you hold on to the apartment when shit hit the fan, or what happened to it? So, mind you, I do another deal. I make another like 80 G's. We buy this piece of land, like 1.9 acres, and we sell it to a guy named Shlomo. God, bro- come on. Rusty and Shlomo <laughs> doing business? You're killing me. <laughs> Shlomo was a Jewish guy from, and I honestly don't know if he ever could even get to the property that we sold. <laughs> like, it was pretty <laughs> fucked up. Like, I'm, I don't want to go on record here, but boy, did we rob that dude. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> 
And, and so all your coworkers were they balling out like you or here's the thing they weren't like 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 we just fucking killed it with this one deal and like next thing you know like we were just we got we were a big cocky we were like florida cocky like my buddy rusty he was fucking living it up we were getting bottle service like throwing he would take out cash and just throw it into the crowd not even at a strip club like at a regular like you know ruby tuesdays you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great move to make when you're making like a hundred and ten thousand dollars like you're you're just upper middle class <laughs> exactly that's the best part about all this is that we weren't that rich like but in our eyes like we we you know we also this is the thing though we had so many other deals lined up like i'm not bullshitting you like we had this deal we were going back and forth we had some initiative, like we really did. And we had this one deal where we were going to sell this property for $60 million. And I'm, I swear to God, we were getting faxes back and forth from, from the buyer, 54 million. And the seller's like, no, I can't do 54, 55. And we're getting, fa- and we're just hanging out. We're playing handball with like the other, the old contracts. Oh my in, in, God. In office, Doing like, $60 million deals on the handball court jesus yeah <laughs> well no 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 we were playing handball with the paper in the office like like we were just being dumb as shit like we like drew up like plans like titty land for one of the prop like we were just out of our mind you know but like um can i gotta, can i can i divert you can i ask about the what the plans for titty land were <laughs> it, it was essentially a bunch of houses with titties in the window <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of like a horny Christmas village. <laughs> Here's the thing. I drew it and I put it on our wall in our office. Like I was like, yeah, bitch. That was like my way of like throwing the keys, like Ben Affleck in a round or a boiler room, you know? So, <laughs> Welcome to city land, bitch. Yeah. Well, I love, I love Andrew. Cause I could be like, was there, were there blue prints for city land? He's like, yes, emphatically. In fact. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Blue ball prints. Come on. Okay. We're having fun. Is this on? Um, so, um, so I end up, I end up having another deal. Shlomo never really could get to that property, but I made my dad like 300 G's on that deal. And then I had like, uh, I made another 80. So now I'm at like 310 grand. And, um, and I, and, you know, I'm, I'm going, we're getting bottle service. I have these other deals. So that $60 million deal, I would have made like $1.2 million. So I had like all these other deals like lined up where I was going to keep making money. Like I never thought the oil would run out. Like, why would I think that, you know? Right. Um, and so, how long did it last? Like, so here, I'll, I'll get there, I guess. Um, so I end up, um, I end up getting our property, the property that my uncle bought within fucking three weeks. I'm not bullshitting you. We bought it for 7.8 million. He had it under contract with Angle Homes for $16.2 million. So then, okay, so now we have to wait to get entitlements. So what entitlements are is like, you got to wait for like, um, you got to go through the city and get the zoning, right? All that shit before you could even move dirt, you know? So we're waiting for that. That takes about a year. If we sold it right away without waiting to get entitlements, we probably could have sold it for like 11 million and made 4 million bucks, you know, or three, whatever. And we would have made money on that too again. But we were going to wait for the entitlements to make the extra 4 million. Now within that year, the market started to slowly like, hey, it's not that great. And then we all know when it really crashed at one time. So, so mind you, so then, you know, one builder left and then another builder came in for 15 million and then another builder came in. This was amazing. So the owner of the Minnesota Vikings, Ziggy Wilf, Ziggy came Wilf? in, came in on a private jet in his fucking Viking fucking shirt, polo shirt. I pick him up. Me and Rusty pick up Ziggy <laughs> Wilf. He never takes his fucking glasses off and, and we're driving him around Vero beach and we're just Did you like, pick him up in the Mercedes. Uh, I don't even remember. I don't, I might've had, I might've already lost that at that point. No, no, no. I, I think maybe, I think, no, I probably in Rusty's excursion or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He bought an excursion that was literally bigger than a fucking long bus, not even a short <laughs> bus. Like, and I was, just like out of context, the thought process is, you know, I'm picking up a billionaire. I better borrow Rusty's car. Just a beautiful Florida sentence right there. Well, the best part is Rusty at the time might not have been able to drive because he got a DUI. (laughs) 
and he had, this is a great story. This is a side story. So we would play this game called You Got Left, where we would just leave our friends at the bar if we were far away. And Rusty left me at the bar, so I found this guy to drive me home in an old Oldsmobile. And he goes, hey, can you drive my car? And I was like, what? He's like, well, I got a DUI last night. So I'm driving this old Oldsmobile like a half hour. I got home okay. He was smoking. He's like, you mind if I smoke weed? I'm like, yeah, what is going on here? So I get home. I'm fucked up. I somehow drove this old like Oldsmobile. Rusty's in a car with this guy named Benny King. And uh, Benny King, he, he, Rusty let him drive the car, and he was going like 120 on, on 95 gets pulled over. He's this huge black guy. He was an ex-boxer, ex-inmate too. And uh, he threw Rusty into the driver's seat when they got pulled over. So when the cop came, Rusty was on painkillers and he didn't really know what was going on. And the cop <laughs> comes, this is all on camera, but all on video in black and white. And the guy's like, hey, roll down your window. And Rusty goes, I wasn't driving. <laughs> 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 and the cop goes, what? He goes, I know what it looks like, but I wasn't driving. <laughs> <laughs> and so then the cop goes, were you drinking? And Rusty goes, I had a couple bars at the beer. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. So anyway, incredible. So, so he had a DUI. And, um, and uh, so whatever, we thought money would always come in. And then we had that contract and then, and then Ziggy Wolf fucking, I forgot the name of his, the, the homeowner, whatever. He ended up putting the contract under at like 12.8 million. So we were still like golden. Right. And then throughout, like then the market kept like slowly, like, and then he went from 12.8 to 12 to then 11 to like, and then he just finally walked. And then we couldn't fucking even sell the property. So now my uncle stuck with this property. That's like 7.8 million that ended up, now it's probably worth the, you know, like, I don't know, more than that modem at your house. Joel. Like it's, it's like, it's it, it, whatever. So then we couldn't sell the property. We had another deal where we were going to make like 500 G's fall apart. And next thing you know, at one point I was in Costa Rica and my dad gave me money to buy property in Costa Rica. And these two like Costa Rican guys fought over me and Rusty's business, like, like hand fought. And, uh, I ended up not buying land there, but I ended up spending all my dad's money like an idiot because I thought, oh, I made him 300 G's already and I have all this other money coming in, but that never came in either. So like, so the market crashed. I ended up... And that, uh, the market crashed while you were in Costa Rica or... I don't know if it was one... No, probably after Costa Rica, but like, I can't remember the exact time frame, but like I ended up uh, losing my Mercedes uh then losing my car and then my house i ended up renting it and um i stopped paying the mortgage on it and then uh i don't really know the exact time frame but then i ended up um losing my yukon i got that fucking um taken away repoed from my dad's house which is like a nice house the repo guy was like this doesn't really add up and um I lost that. I lost that car. And then now I'm in, I was in a ton of debt because I only paid half my taxes. And I just want to say, just if we transcribe this, we have the lyrics to an amazing country song right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I lost my, my car. at my dad's it. house. <laughs> <laughs> Rented the house and didn't pay the mortgage. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all an E minor. And, um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was very, I was very sad, man. I was fucking, I lost everything. And then I was like, maybe I should be, maybe I should write a screenplay. <laughs> and, and it became the big short folks. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, it ended up like I sent that to a producer and he's like, what do you want me to do with it? It was like, there were so many like spelling mistakes. Like, <laughs> like I think the title was spelled wrong. My own name, you know, it was just, it was horrendous, but I thought I would just, you know, because I made all that money so quick, I was like, "Well, I'll do something else and make a ton of money real quick." So you just you just went into other schemes. So you're yeah, just like, a lot oh, of okay. other schemes. Yeah, yeah, a lot of other schemes. Cool. Any any colorful other schemes that you you want to share with us? I had one. I start I started a website called youhot.com. <laughs> yes, which I was love like it. a which was a mixture of like you- hot or not and uh, and YouTube and YouTube. 
which ended up being pretty much Instagram, if we got to be honest. Like, I wasn't way off to think people would just post hot videos and get ranked, you know? Yeah, you're not – that's not at all unreasonable. So you- and it ended up just being a really shitty YouTube, like really <laughs> shitty. And But then some guy bought it because it's a good name, U-Hot, and he made it a porn site the next day, and everyone thought I, like, went porn, and everyone <laughs> – and all my family was like, you know, finally you're doing what we think you should. Be. Like, no one was like angry. Like, everyone was like proud of me. And I was finally like, no, your empire. But I actually made a couple bucks selling the domain name. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like a good. Um, you're like a good businessman. <laughs> yeah, until it's horrible. You know, right now I'm literally like, look at this, guys. Uh, this is my brother's house. I'm in the pool house. My older brother has made every right business decision on earth. Like the guy is worth so much money and he's done everything right while I was doing everything wrong. So it's like, but who's more fun to talk to at, at a party? He is. He is. Really? No, no, no. no. <laughs> he's done everything right. He, he has this nice house, but the, the best thing about that house is that you sometimes stay in it. I, I you know what? That's a great way to look at it. I mean, I, I don't even know if he knows I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) So how did last time you last time you stayed at your relative's nice house, they repossessed your Yukon. So I would look out there. I know Uh, he has literally five cars in the driveway and he he's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So how did was he in real estate or I mean, you don't have to get into details, but how did he become what what was he what business was he in? He's a comedian. Oh my God! <laughs> is, is your brother Jerry Seinfeld? Uh, no, he happened to have shown his dick a few times. Uh, have you heard of Gallagher? Uh, yeah, he hits his dick with a hammer. Is it a Gallagher or Gallagher two? <laughs> Gallagher three, actually. <laughs> he actually made Gallagher the video game. So um, the no, uh, my brother, my brother did uh, finance. He did like real finance, like not like selling land on the back of of, an, of a napkin contract kind of thing he um he worked at jp morgan like he he is self-made to the point where like he was selling suits at bloomingdale's in college in college in west palm and he sold suits to this guy that worked at jp morgan he got the guy's card through that then he worked as an internship in, in palm beach then he got a real job in investment banking where you work like 100 hours a week he did that for three years. Then he started his own equity fund. Or no, he went to a private equity fund. Then he started his own. And then by 30, he was like, falling. Yeah. And every real estate deal he's done, he's made like five times. as Like, it's just like, yeah. And, and for literally a minute and a half when I made that 270 grand, I was like, we're so alike, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am also very wealthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you and me like, are the same. Yeah, been, yeah. He should write a screenplay. Have you seen um, There Will Be Blood? I'm like that brother that like lied about being his brother, you know? Oh my then, God, yes. And then, then, he, then, <laughs> then he kills him? Yeah, then he kills him. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, long story short, I lost the apartment. I short sold the apartment for like 60 grand. They gave me... $1,800. And I was like happy to have that, even though I had like 40 grand into the apartment. And, um, Oh wow. So it, it, it was a hard fall. How long did it take you to kind of bounce back from that? Like it must shock the system. It, it took a long time. Like it honestly, like I think until I started, I know stand up was so funny to get into because the, you know, you, you don't realize how hard it is to make money in, in this when you start, because if you did, there's no way you would do it unless you were literally retarded. Um, <laughs> Luckily like, we have that in common. So yeah, we've been yeah. able to stick around a few years. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, like until like I started to really work on my mental health and shit, like it definitely was really deep in there. And then like, I wasn't really like, working on my taxes and stuff and like oh just, yeah are you allowed to talk I, about this I, I we've talked about this privately but you feel free to get into it if you'd like no no like i finally like had an accountant and like dealt with it and so like dealing with it like allowed it to be like real instead of like this like narrative in my head that was like you know like up. i didn't know that you could do payment plans i didn't know you could do it you know what i mean like 
I just was like, I'm never going to be able to pay this huge amount. Like the number was so high. It was just like, well, what am I going to, you know? And, um, yeah, right. Like, you see a number like that and it's just, you can't even be comprehend. You can't comprehend. It, but there's nothing really teaching young people about the machinations of debt. Like I was in the same situation as Andrew. I, I went to college. I had like 70 grand in debt. And rather than like figure out the debt or do anything, I just didn't pay any of it for 10 years. I didn't take a phone call. I just <laughs> yeah. straight to voicemail. And you know what? Once I started, it wasn't that bad at all. Dude, that's the thing with money. It's like, and there literally needs to be a, like, we have a class on like fucking marine biology, but not debt in high school. And it's like, why are we not teaching? I know it's boring as fuck, but it's like, you gotta fucking learn that shit and, and it can't be instilled in your head like you know without like really like fuck i don't know i don't it's just it's interesting when it works out for people a lot of people learn it from their parents but you know like i, I uh otherwise you got to be like us you got to make these horrific mistakes that slow you down for a decade or so but like it's a pretty simple game once you once you figure it out like you're not going to do that again i imagine yeah. you'll make pretty good decisions for the rest of your life i'm trying i'm trying i i you know instead of buying a car though i'll buy like two fancy sushi rolls you know like you know i'll still spend money kind of dumb but not like you know never like that again because you know what i also the one thing i did learn is whatever they say money can't buy happiness the freedom is nice, but you're, I really wasn't much happier when I was driving around in a Mercedes with 400 horse, maybe 480 horsepower would have been better. You know? <laughs> yeah. but, but you know I what I mean? Like, he corrects the you know, horsepower. Whether, Come on. <laughs> well, you know, it's like uh, Nick but, Griffin has a joke where he said people say money can't buy you happiness. And it's like, I believe that, but at least you can be said in a nice apartment. I bet it feels good to cry in a Mercedes and instead of crying in a Honda. Not when you still have payments on the Mercedes and you don't have any money left. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice to, <laughs> to like cry in a Honda because you know that the tears won't affect the resale value. <laughs> that asset yeah, stays Yeah, anything, it will go up. Yeah, it will go up in value, you know? Um, I, yeah, I, yeah, and so then, you know, I got into stand-up and like I was a dog walker and I, and I wasn't relying on anyone else to like – I wasn't relying on my uncle or my brother or my dad, like no one, you know, and I was just doing it. I was paying my rent myself and shit. And honestly, it made me way stronger of a person, you know? Yeah. And like you came back around, you owned every like mistake you made and you turned them into these really like well-woven stories. So like you got your money's worth. Ultimately you launched an entire career off the back of making this shit sound likable and entertaining. So not a total loss. Yeah, not a total loss. And, you know, we were joking before that, like I was like, you know, the last year I was making like real money being a comedian. And it was like there was no better feeling on earth because I made money. I thought like off of uh, and even when you make money as a comedian, you still feel a little guilty for some reason. You know, I think I always will. But like I was like, oh, I deserve this fucking check. You know what I mean? As right. opposed to like. You know, and so that kind of like you can't learn that without going through some shit to like really appreciate, you know, when it happens, you know. Yeah. Now, if if you ever if you ever turn bitter, I hope that doesn't happen for you. But you can sit at the bar and have an excuse. Every time I was successful, a, literally a global catastrophe hit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so you got some decent excuses so there, true. man. <laughs> that is a good point dude if i ever make money again i we're definitely all gonna get nuked you know it's like there's no way like what's even the point of getting successful if i'm just gonna get taken down by goddamn diseases and and bankers you know yeah if you ever make six <laughs> figures let me know i'll pull everything out of the market and then we can split the profits <laughs> there well it's so true but yeah i don't know so well, yeah, yeah i think pretty much yeah, go ahead. No, out. so no, it's okay. So, have you given, like you said, you were starting to make real money doing comedy? Have you invested any of that, or have you have you thought about doing any of that, or are you just kind of taking it while you have it, or you know, other um, than sushi? So, so, I bought another Mercedes, and um, <laughs> I'm living in it. 
and there's no gas or engine, but I sold the engine. So it's just a, a landlocked. I uh, know what, what I've done is I, I, you know, I, I saved considerably way better, you know, like at least I'm trying to, I mean, if it was, uh, if everything was still going as the plan, I would have been able to pay off my own shit, you know what I mean? Without any help from anyone. Right. But because of COVID, you know, so I'm not investing. I, the market scares me just cause like, you know, I was addicted to gambling for a while, like blackjack. And that was a whole nother like fucking <laughs> up and down thing that I could get into. But, um, I just don't think like I should be investing in like stocks because unless I really dive into it, but even if I dive into it, I'm not like, like dividends and shit. Like that just scares me, you know, like, I don't know what. And nothing you can do in the market will really beat the option of just giving the money to your brother and having him do it. That's the plan right there. it's, It's so true. And it's like, also I know through, this real estate shit and through gambling, like the high of making money, dude, is nowhere near the low of losing oh. it. It's not even close, dude. But without that low, the high wouldn't feel as good. So I, I you know, because when uh, you win at gambling, do you have this feeling of like, oh, this was inevitable. This was always going to happen. And when you lose, it's like, oh, I really fucked up. I'm an analyzing every decision I've ever made. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, with stocks and stuff like, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I wouldn't have looked to invest until I started making like more money, but you know, who knows, maybe it will come back around. The one thing I have done because of Corona is like, I finally like monetized my podcast and. and, Yeah. And what is that podcast in case we have any listeners right here? Oh, it's called puddles with Andrew Collin. And I just had on like Tom Segura and I've had on like Nate Bargatze recently and, and, uh, and like Nikki's on it all the time. I, and so I don't know. It's like, it's going well. Um, you know, that would be my fucking dream, right? Like that's the dream, like fucking being independently, like make money off your fuck off. Just talking for an hour. Yeah. Right? Talking in your brother's house. That's your career. Not yeah, fucking yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. It's not bad at all, dude. So, I mean, because of COVID, you know, I, I did pivot to making money off my podcast, which I wouldn't have done if I was still making money off the road and writing. I really wouldn't have. I would have just like, you know, but now it's like, holy shit, I could be independent from from Nikki, from any other con like I could only just depend on myself, really. Right. And, and, that- just, and just being in this field, as soon as this shit like hit the fan, there was just like a, a mental equation like, how do I make money off what I'm doing anyway immediately? So I'm yeah, glad you did that. Seems like you're in a great position. Yeah, I mean, it's getting there. I mean, there's a number that I want to get to, and I'm probably like 20% there, where like I could really feel like I could like, I don't know if I even want to live in New York City if I could make that much money, to be honest. Like, I don't know if, you know, I don't know where I would live, but, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. But uh, And who knows when um, New York City will be a place to live? So crazy, man. Fucking nuts. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, like, I... uh yeah, so that's that's been good, and um, you know, so I'm working when I when I, you know at that right now, and and it feels good because it's literally like what you do forget when we do these things is like oh no, we put ten years into it, we deserve every dollar we fucking earn, you know? So, right. Oh, it's like when uh, when people like get these big paychecks and like athletes get these big paychecks, people are like, I can't believe they're making so much. It's kind of cliche, but it's like, like kind of, you just said it basically. It's like, nobody sees the 10 years it took to get to that one big paycheck. Yeah, dude. Fucking also, there's no guarantee like an NFL, like the at, well, whatever. It depends on what sport you want to talk about, but like the average career in the NFL is like two years. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, like you're talking about like Tom Brady or like the top. I do think there's too big of a, <laughs> of, of a money, like going to the, there is literally the like 1% of like professional sports where they make way too much compared to like the lowest guy, I think. Yeah. But that's but, just the scale of the economy as a whole. The 1% across the board makes the best of it. And then if Tom Brady, he knows, Oh, I'm the 1% of this. I deserve that share of it. And like, Honestly, if you were to look at the money like these athletes like LeBron, 
Kobe, they, they generate for their leagues, they're worth more than what they receive. Yeah, no, it's true. So, you know, maybe just the lower guy should get paid more. I don't care about the higher guy getting a lot, but just give the lower guy even more, you know? Make that happen across the board. Well, you've been a great guest. Thank you for coming on and talking to us. I think it's time to wrap up. But um, you want to give Puddles a hard plug here? Yeah, check out Puddles with Andrew Collins. It's my podcast. I have a Patreon now. Uh, as you can tell, don't focus on the fact that I'm in a pool house of a multi-million dollar estate. Focus more on the fact that I'm in horrible debt and without my brother's help, I'd be sleeping on the street. So think about that when you <laughs> approach my approach my Patreon. And um, yeah, check out Puddles. I think it's uh, we have some really fun conversations and uh, and check out these guys because they're great comedians and uh, and I I, re- I, re- I miss you guys. I miss um, you know blowing you and stuff so i miss you, you too have... andrew i really do I, I remember meeting you for the first time in new york and uh, yeah, i don't know it's just great you know you meet so many people and a lot of people you know, you're like i don't think i could talk to this person whatever but i really haven't you know i've enjoyed like getting to know you and all that over the years it's been great so uh, i'm it's really happy to see all your support or all the success you've had and all that yeah well it has gone nowhere matt so you hey, know, you know, like, it, uh, it looks good, though. I mean, you're getting all these good guests on your podcast. I love, you know, I love Tom Segura. I remember seeing you on your mom's house. That was a great episode. It's, it's so great. So I'm super hyped. I'm a, I'm a fan of yours for sure. Uh, thanks, brother. Yeah, you, you have an ability to make life fun and like to be a kind of Pied Piper personality. There's a lot of value in that. So keep doing your thing. I love talking to you and it was great to hear a little bit more of your story. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, stay safe and have fun blowing your dads. All right, everybody. That's it. That's Andrew Collin. What a great episode. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed uh, the up top and the interview. That's one of my favorite interviews we've done on the podcast. Andrew is so funny. And uh, what a a bunch of cool stories. Yeah, he is the best. And uh, we will be back next week with another episode of Hold My Bread. Thank you for listening. Follow us on socials. Hold My Bread. Follow me on socials. Joel Walkowski Instagram, the Walkowski Twitter. This week, I've got a new episode of Pilot on NFL podcast. We're just, we're having an emotional talk with Chris Calagero about the New York Jets. And um, I have a, I had a really fun episode of In Action come out Monday with Diego Lopez and Justin Schlegel. So go to the Props Network and check that out. Check that stuff out. Make sure to support the podcast. Support Andrew's podcast, Puddles. Uh, he is really funny. He's doing really well. So that's great. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything to plug. Um, we're going to put this out. I'm going to be uh, on Instagram Live. I'm going to eat a, I'm gonna eat some Dunkaroos. I'm going to do an unboxing of, a, of some Dunkaroos on Instagram Live. That's all I got to plug. I have nothing. Unboxing Dunkaroos. It's good to be in entertainment during the pandemic. That's right. Content, baby. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Later.